0: All right, on the line now, he's Steve Sipple, Lincoln Journal Star, HuskerExtra. Read his stuff, listen to him. 93.7 the ticket, uh, with with Jake Sorensen. Him and Jake do an excellent job. Sip, uh, yeah, I know we, me and you, we could probably talk like an hour on NBA playoffs, but something tells me that's oh, not what we could. that's You're not what people want, though. I don't think that's what our listeners want from us here.
1: No, they don't want to hear about Brandon Ingram. But I, I'd talk about Brandon Ingram for a half
0: hour. Man, he was we're, so we're taping this on uh, gosh, what today's Wednesday? Uh, last night Ingram had what thirty eight on the road at Phoenix. I was that was impressive. You've always been you've been a Brandon Ingram guy from the jump.
1: Yeah, I always. I just like you know, sounds weird to say, but I like scores. You know, and, and if he's six foot nine and you score like that and move like that down the floor, I mean, it's an amazing. I've always thought he's an amazing player. Now he's, you know, I think the I think a lot of just casual fans are starting to understand him right
0: now. right man it's I mean, every night the playoffs are are a huge a huge commitment because it's like it's every night it's multiple games every night and we're going all the way until like mid-june i just it's uh it it's it gets to be a daunting like it's like we're running a marathon in some ways for just watching oh uh,
1: yeah a fun marathon yes and I, I it fills a big void i think yeah I, I agree. it's not, I, not that much and now there is, yeah. It, you know, I don't have to watch every game, um, but man, if you want to see a game, boy, and this year the playoffs are are really good. I mean, they're it's very, you know, there's a lot of parody and all that, and it's just hard to find a bad series.
0: Okay, so shelve the basketball talk for a little bit. We might get it. I want to. I, I might hit on some Nebraska basketball stuff with you at the at the end of this, but I want I want to jump into football here. Sip. Um, yeah, we better. So uh, I think it's important – I've been kind of hammering this to kind of reset a bunch of different things with, with football because given the circumstances, if you think about it, Sip, after the Iowa game and all the changes that Scott Frost was, was going to have to make, in my opinion, fast forward here to post-spring game, Scott Frost has kind of given himself the best chance for this whole thing to work, which is really all you can kind of ask for because don't, don't kid yourself. There was a version – where all of these changes could have been, like, they hired who? They got what quarterback in the portal? They got what? who They're doing what now? Like, I just, I keep on thinking in my mind that Frost had a massive task on his plate. And I think given all things considered, all of the circumstances, I think he's given this whole thing with who he's hired, bringing in the two quarterbacks, Thompson and Purdy the best chance for this thing to work. Now, I'm not saying it's going to work, but I feel like he's he's done a pretty admirable job on the front end of this thing, which was a lot of different people to bring into Lincoln.
1: Oh, yeah, I think you're exactly right. So, so far, so good, right? I mean, to this point, you'd say, yeah, I'd say it's good. I think there's a couple of thoughts I have. Number one, I felt during the hiring process and during it. And then right after it, I, I I was thinking exactly what you're thinking. Okay. They got good guys. Not only that it wasn't, there was no debacles, you know, there wasn't a, okay, they, they hired this coach. And then two days later, he backed out. Now we got to start to restart the process. Nothing like that was going on. He identified guys and he nailed them down and they happened to be, wow. Wow. You got Mark Whipple. You got Mark Whipple. you right. um, went and got Mickey Joseph. You know, Donovan wasn't a like a splashy hire because he his you know, his limited resume, but I I just felt that hire was was critical and a good one. Uh, and and you know, same with same with Apple White. So yeah, I agree with you on that. And I think that the just the process, I think the process being smooth was is a good look for scott yep now here's what the only, the only thing i'd add is this has been very interesting this whole period i would say starting in early december when you know they made the initial hires mickey was de- in you know december 3rd um donovan was shortly after that whipple was right there early december okay so starting that starting with that point now going forward. Okay there's a lot of excitement initially there's a lot of excitement up to February when those guys first met the media you know mid February and now it's changed it's 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 predictable but interesting to me it's now it's settled into more tension like mm-hmm. like spring ball it was very interesting to me there's excitement initially in spring ball the, the new faces and all that brings a new energy but by the end of spring <laughs> it definitely felt more tension like okay this is this is a massive undertaking and it is massive yes. so but but yeah I agree with you he I think he closed the deal on some really good coaches and he did it in a smooth manner
0: yeah I, I joked in, in one of my last pods and saying that when you look at the whole f- calendar year for Husker football fans the two biggest kind of Kool-Aid chugging weeks in my opinion, are the week leading up to the first game. People just start to talk themselves into you know crazy things that are going to unfold in the year. And then it's the week after the spring game. Usually there's a lot of sunshine and rainbows and everybody's feeling great. And, And I think it's understandable given four straight losing seasons, the structure of the spring game, and then all the newness and not knowing how to make heads or tails of all the five new coaches, new quarterbacks. But there's tensions a, w- a way to put it, but the, yeah there's a there's I just I guess what I, I haven't and maybe your inbox or your 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 readers or your listeners on ninety three seven have been different. I haven't necessarily felt that same Kool Aid chugging after spring ball that I usually feel. Oh no,
1: yeah, no, you don't. In fact, you get sort of called out now if you show any inclination that way. <laughs> you know, yeah. if you are if you are chugging a little bit, a lot of people say, all right, that's enough. Stop. Um, so we, yeah, we are in a very, uh, and, and you know, we are paid to size that sort of thing up. And I think you're sizing it up really well. I'm trying now I'm trying to think how it was last year. I think there was Kool-Aid chugging going on this time, but not, yeah, not, not, it, it's, it's different now. It is not happening now. No. We're, I think people are become fans. Nebraska fans become pretty skeptical. They obviously are very fervent still. They're enthusiastic, Um, but yeah, they're guarded. Yeah, that's what that's what you know. When you don't go to a bowl for five straight seasons, that's what happens.
0: So the only thing I the only pushback on my own thought, if I'm giving myself a pushback here, playing devil's advocate with myself on like. I think Frostad has has given himself the best chance for this to work, given the given the people he's brought to Lincoln. The only thing that makes me a little uncomfortable is the amount of of players that could have stayed in Lincoln that didn't, and I'm not begrudging any of these people. Cam Jurgens, uh, different people leaving to to go into the NFL. Austin Allen, but. I guess for me, one of the things that I'm having a hard time with, Sip, is like if you if you and I started writing down the fifteen best players on the team last year, 80 to 90 percent of them are gone.
1: Yeah, I look at that a little differently. I mean, the guys we're talking about Cam Jurgens, Cam Taylor Britt, um, those guys could have been back. Damian Daniels could have been back, Austin Allen could have been back. I look at that that a little differently than you. First, first of all, like an Austin Allen, it would have been a sixth year. Right, now, I, right. I don't know about you, but when I was, I was ready to, when I was in my early twenties, I had to make money. Um, you know, I had to, I had to start, I had to start my life, you know, six years in a, in a program's a lot. That's a long time. Cam Jurgens would have been five. That that's a, again, four, that might just be enough, you know, Damian Daniel, six years. I mean, I, I don't know. I I thought I thought it made sense for those guys. There's not really one of them I'd look at and say, "Oh, come on, that's a slight to the program." Cam Jergens gave four years of the program. Um, Cam Taylor Britt gave I, four or five. Um, so I that I, I understand those guys moving, especially now. Now when you look at their situations, they're really good. I mean, Juergens is Jergens is going to get picked probably before the fourth round and cam Taylor the same way Austin Allen again um I mean he's going to get drafted so I Nick I it makes sense to me I've always looked at that like I just think being in a program for five years especially six is just a lot to
0: ask yeah I guess I should have I I'm not saying I don't necessarily understand each individual decision I'm more looking at it from like the 500 you know like zooming way out on like how would I feel about the situation if they had had, like I mean just say it out loud like think if this think if they had Juergens, Daniels, Cam Taylor Britt, Austin Allen like you'd feel you'd go I mean not saying you know start booking your hotel reservations for Indianapolis the first weekend of December necessarily but I'm I'm saying you'd feel a lot better about things.
1: Yeah you would and you know what even if you just said Damian Daniels and DeAndre Thomas
0: right right
1: um even yeah even if you just said those two which which we I glossed over DeAndre Thomas which I don't want to do because the you know that we all know the de- we all know the narrative about the defensive line lacking depth gosh Damian Daniels and DeAndre Thomas if you had those two guys it 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 would it, I would yeah I'd feel differently about that part for sure but yeah add those other guys. Yeah. It's a lot different conversation. Yeah. I don't think Nebraska fans want to hear a whole lot about right, that.
0: Right. Help me out with this sip. Cause I'm not even sure I believe what I'm saying here, but it, it's nice. I, I sometimes like to, we don't allow people to talk things out anymore. Like just, just kind of just throw it out there and see where we, we land on it. Like chew on this for me. So, you know, over the last handful of years, in particular last year, we have this kind of man, Nebraska is close narrative permeating locally nationally well if if you are close I would think being close would suggest that you need to stay the course like oh you're close like if someone would tell me that I would think okay I need to keep on doing what I'm doing but that's not what has happened in my opinion this is a pretty massive change and a massive shift five new coaches a new play caller new o-line coach new main top recruiter Frost is moving to a more CEO role. You're gonna, you could have a new, qu- new quarterback, leading rusher, leading receiver. Like, I guess if Nebraska were to go nine and three next year, the narrative for some people could be, see, they were close and it finally popped. Is that accurate, or is it more accurate to say that the football program had to make massive changes <laughs> and then it popped? Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, you know what? It's the beauty of this sort of forum podcast and thinking this stuff out and talking it out, it's pretty complex. I mean just that question is really complex. Yeah. And then and I would add to it by the way, sixteen new scholarship players in the spring. Sixteen new scholarship players. Wow. Um in the springtime, which I've never been I haven't covered anything like that. Right.
0: Yeah, I don't know because like Michigan made change. You know, Michigan made some changes <laughs> mm-hmm. with with some things, and I think for some people thought like, "Oh, look, they they finally got over the top," for lack of a better term. Where I don't know, I'm not boots on the ground in Ann Arbor and necessarily know if that's true or not. But I guess I don't know. I don't know how I feel. If, Here's it, where like, I look at. It. Here's where I look. Okay, at it, give I, it to me. I I mean, when you put it together in your head, it is complex.
1: Scott in November. Remember in November, uh, when Scott said we're going to the transfer portal, and we're going to the JUCOs to try to get this program o- over the top. You know, we're close, but we got to get it over the top. That made a lot of sense when he said it to me. Um, and, he, and and then you know what? He did a good job of going out and getting players. He did. Now, you, you talk about going out and getting a good staff, new staff members. They did a good job, it seems to me right now, of going and finding impact-type players. We'll see how that turns out as far as the coaching staff goes yeah going and hiring four new offensive staff members doesn't suggest that they were close but on the other hand each of them makes sense mm-hmm. and moving on you know each of the dismissals made sense right uh, and and the 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 coaches that succeeded those dismissals seem like upgrades right now again no games played so i don't want to go too far down that road but you know the offensive line i think we all agree needed new leadership it came to a kind of a tipping point last year it didn't come to a tipping point nick in 2020 it did they weren't it wasn't i don't think great i don't think austin was fireable in 2020
0: i agree
1: but but it got to a point in 221 where, yeah, that made sense. Right. Um, And then, then, you know, it was determined that maybe Scott needed to change the structure of the staff, him take a step back. Well that would necessitate hiring an offensive coordinator and, and, and probably one with a lot of experience. So they did that. So again, it's, it's like a lot of, Nebraska football discussions in recent years pretty complex and layered.
0: No question about it. I uh sticking with the new coaches. What what new coach will make the biggest impact next year and what new coach do they need to make the biggest impact next year?
1: Okay, it's a really difficult one because the good news is it's he hired guys who could have big impacts. They're they're capable of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um yeah and that's a good way to frame it up by the way um who needs to who will who will i mean i i think the easy answer on the will is whipple because in charge of a side of the ball and so i think that one makes sense just just because of that simple simple thought but also as you know it's not just what Whipple does with Xs and Os and scheme and play calls. He has a profound impact on the culture, right? And he has a profound impact on Frost and the way Frost maneuvers into the CEO role that he can it looks like he can turn over the offense to Whipple, which is that's a big thing, right? It's not easy to if you if you didn't have the right guy an offensive coordinator scott wouldn't be able to do that right, right. um you, you had to get a guy like whipple in order to do that that so that affects scott so who needs to have who needs to have a big shot i'll stay i'll still stay with whipple i mean it because he's in charge of the side of the ball um mickey he's big in this di- equation obviously um because that 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 position group is critical and it looks pretty good and he's got to get a lot out of it. And Donovan, and I'd say Donovan's very prominent in that discussion too, because we all know the the offensive line struggled. So it's a great question. Man, they're hot. Those, it's a, it's a fascinating time. Yeah. Well, the one, the one I thought I had, Nick, is I would maybe, I can, you know, I've covered Nebraska football for a quarter century full time. Yeah. I've never probably been more interested than I than, than I am right now. Me too. I, yeah. It's it's we're in a, you know, for one thing, we're at a pretty critical phase, you know. So and we're all wondering if it's not gonna work.
0: How you, you bring up the whole the frost to the CEO role. How will we, we being on the outside looking in, media fans Watching on Saturdays in the fall of this season, how will we know that Frost in that CEO role is revealing itself? Will we like, or is that something that we won't like? That it's happening, but it may not manifest itself into a huge play against Illinois or something like that, or a, or a big game on the uh, on the road.
1: Well, when I see like a guy like PJ Fleck, I mean it's it's clear who's controlling the ebb and flow and who's adjusting to the ebb and flow of the game, and that's what I hope you see from scott like a game manager yep. that, is, that is making moves that are in accordance in accordance with the ebb and flow of the game and that is really a it doesn't sound like much when i'm sitting here on april 20th and talking about that but when you're watching a game and you're watching a guy like pj fleck orchestrate in real time uh, situations that need to be handled quickly in accordance with what's going on, it's it, it's it, noticeable. He it does it really well. Yes. Good coaches do that really well. Um, good coaches that don't have a headset on or call plays, you can see, like the simplest thing is clock management um, at the end you know, at the end of halves. Um, or just clock management. Let's just say, say clock management in general. So I hope I hope that Scott's really heavily involved in that. He should be.
0: Yeah. I, I wonder if now, did Frank, shame on me, did, was Frank calling the plays in, when he was the head coach?
1: Yeah, he was until the end.
0: Okay, because I, I, um, I was thinking yeah. about, like, so, uh, so Bo, Bo Rude and I do this thing where, every once in a while we do. It. It's called Husker Classic Recaps where we watch an old game and then we, we talk about it in a podcast and recap the whole game. But one of the things that I was just thinking about as you were, as you were talking there was, what well, people don't realize, so we all remember Stunts to Crouch 2001 Oklahoma. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the play before that, l- the, that play? No,
1: I do not. So do
0: not. it was a pretty, it was a third down. It was a pretty controversial face mask on Crouch that gets flagged that gives Nebraska a first down. Stoops is losing his mind, and you can tell Oklahoma has not moved on to the next play. Mm, perfect, perfect time to okay. sub in stunts. Maybe they don't catch it. Everybody's caught up on all huge blown call, trick play, boom. Like, I think those kinds of moments where, like, maybe Frost being able to, like, could help, those kinds of things, right? Like, ooh, hey, Mark, might be a good chance here for whatever kind of a thing.
1: If you're not – so people – not everybody understands. A lot of people do understand this, but a lot of people don't. Yeah, what you laid out is a really good example. Now, if Scott is on the headset worried about the next play, he might not be noticing the, the coach on the other side freaking out. Right. Or not be really totally cognizant of the, the situation. If you have a headset on and all you're thinking about is the next play, next play, two plays down the line, three plays down the line, we got to figure out the next series too, by the way, here. Yeah, you don't have that. You don't have that. Now, Frank – if I think if people look back, they're listening. The, the way I remember it is, Frank called plays right up until the end of his tenure. Then it was a big, it became a very big story. Like gotcha. Frank's giving okay. up, Frank's giving up play calling duties was a big, big story.
0: Um, you, oh, so- yeah. Cause
1: he was going to hide. Yeah. He was, he went through, uh, a, a process of hiring an offensive coordinator. I remember.
0: It well. Yeah, that's right. I I'm, shame on me for not remembering that, but it, yeah. I, I just, I wasn't totally sure, but I was just trying to think of an example of like something that people could remember where, Hey, maybe not being, like you said, just caught your head in the play sheet and only thinking about the next set of plays might, might help, uh, yeah. which could, which yeah. could be a, a good thing. I, one of the things I really enjoy is I, I, I love listening to you whenever you, you and Damon get, can debate Husker football. One of the things I love, you guys being on opposite sides on the whole talent discussion at Nebraska, and you and I are on the same side of like, hey, listen, you know who you know who can put you over the top of of a lot of these close games: Amir Abdullah, Randy Gregory, Levante David, and Damakensu. You know, like those guys can get you over the top. And then Damon's rebuttal is always like, "Sip, you really watch these games, and you think it's talent that's holding these these guys back." And I, my whenever I'm listening and I want to scream, I always say, "Well, Damon, it, it's." You do understand that all these little mistakes that end up costing you, Amir Abdullah covers up for all that stuff. Randy Gregory can cover up for all that stuff. Levante David just goes and makes a play at Penn State and stuffs a guy down the line to win the game and get off the well, field. Three and get straight, plays, three straight plays, right? Like, yeah, three so, straight. so, yeah, like, sure, you could have false starts and mistakes and mental whatever, but then Levante David just goes, hey, you know what? It's it's winning time. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go be the best player on the field. Three straight plays. I guess. I want you to kind of expand on that and how you kind of see uh, how, you, how you see Nebraska's roster in that regard, because I don't know if I feel great about it in that regard heading into next year.
1: Well, think about the Super Bowl. What happened yeah. at the end of the Super yeah, Bowl? Yeah, right. Aaron Don- What did Aaron Donald do? Yeah. Was it the Super Bowl or was it the, the division, the championship? Might have
0: been the division champion. Well, you could just say in the Super Bowl, what Cooper Cup do? It was, yeah, it was everybody knew where the ball was going. And Cooper Cup said, I'm getting open. Everybody everybody in the world knew where the ball was going. And it still went there. And he and he won the game.
1: Yeah, they had to get the ball to cut because why? Because he was he was the best p- offensive player on the field. Yep. It happens all the time in sports. I don't know why you have to beat your head against the wall in that argument. I mean, does Nebraska beat Northwestern on that last on, on the, you know, the Hail, Mary. Hail Mary? Yeah. Amir Abdullah doesn't miraculously get that first down. Right. Beat. Okay. That's a loss. If there's, if, if you don't have Amir Abdullah, McNeese state, right. Is it McNeese State, yeah. yeah, that's a loss without, without just Amir Abdullah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, I mean, it's about having difference making players at the end of games. And, And and usually those are all American or at least first team, all big 10 types. The fact Nebraska has been bereft of those two things largely over the past several years, that is explains a lot to me. In fact, it's just like that's where I start the conversation when people come up, you know, people from outside our area come up, say, "Sip, hey, what's happened? Well, here's what's happened. Naming Nebraska's last first-round draft pick. Right. Okay, right. Yeah, how far are you back? You going back to two eleven? Two eleven? It was Prince. Amir. It was it was it was Prince Amakamara. Yep. Whenever that year was, and I think it was two eleven. Okay. Now think about that. Yeah. And that's why I tell people think about that. They haven't had a first-round pick since then. I mean, they haven't had a second-round pick since Amir. Those are difference-making players. <laughs> They – that's who gets you the big shot, you know, in basketball. That's who – come on. It's not yep. that hard.
0: No, I agree. And, yeah.
1: and the fact they haven't ha- had him, is that's where I start the conversation.
0: Uh, Sip, will you be – uh, will you be paying close attention to Adrian Martinez at Kansas State and kind of like does his performance there prove anything to you one way or the other in terms of maybe him as a quarterback or Nebraska or what the last four years were like or – where like – Anything there for you?
1: Oh, I want to see if he go, goes and wins the job. Okay. Uh,
0: yeah, with that and, shoulder thing is it isn't a guarantee that he's going to, you know.
1: Well, I yeah, I, I mean it's
0: he's got yeah, he's, it's a pretty
1: long, tough road back from that. Um Yeah, it's yeah, it's it I think it's meaningful if he would go and light it up. Right. I
0: agree.
1: I I think it it has to be. It's it's nuanced though, like a lot of things. I have a I am of the belief that doing doing it in the Big Twelve is easier than doing it in the Big Ten. Um Oh, totally agree. Yeah, I mean the defenses are Yeah. Come uh, on. Look at look at I mean he just went through a minor hell last year. He played he played with a broken jaw and a, a shoulder issue and a high ankle sprain. I don't know how he did it. Actually. I don't either. It just beats you up more. The Big Ten beats you up more. It does. Pretty much any position you identify, you're just going to get beat up more. So it it would mean something, but I would take into account the league.
0: The Nick Bot Podcast is powered by my good friends at Runza. You know, a few things make me more proud than the fact that Runza supports my podcast because as a Nebraskan, I've been a Runza fan my entire life. I lived down the street from a Runza growing up. It was a blast to go there as a kid. Sometimes I'd even ride my bike there with my buddies. I vividly remember one of our very first elementary school field trips was to Runza. Everyone loved it. I remember going to Runza in high school for lunches with all my high school friends. And I've told you guys this. One of the happiest days at Kansas my freshman year was discovering a Runza In Lawrence, Kansas, it was like finding a little slice of home when I was away from home. And now as an adult, it's great to share Runza with my kiddos who absolutely love the deliciousness of Runza. It's a little Runza story from yours truly. And you know what the menu is. Just outstanding Amazing Runza sandwiches. Oh, my gosh, a piping hot cheese Runza. Mm, that sounds good right now. Incredible burgers, the best fries on the planet. The salads are great, especially the Southwest chicken salad, my personal favorite. It's just awesome food, so whether it's lunch, dinner, a little snack, doesn't matter. Runza is the spot. You need to go download the mobile app. It's in the App Store. You can order ahead, skip the line, plus you can earn rewards as well. Runza. Makes it all better. All right, sip so like t- like two Husker hoops things, one nil thing. We're out of here. Um, oh, we're fine. We're fine yeah. W- with with Nebraska basketball, I guess. Let me start with the, as as we've had some time pass now since the decision from Trev to retain Hoiberg. Do you understand that decision more as time has passed? Do you understand it less as time has passed, or have you have is it kind of just stayed the same in your mind?
1: Hmm. Oh stayed pretty much the same. I I I understand where Trev's coming from to a point. I think he was I think I think that Fred put him in a tough position by going 9 and 50 in the Big 10. I mean, it, I don't know. I I have a lot of reservations. I I obviously I've been pretty critical of Fred Hoiberg. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't like that, but I don't, I just point to the record. If anybody said, I mean, all you got to do is say nine and 50. What, what, what do you got? What do you got for me there? Right, I, mean, nothing. Like, I was nine and 50. <laughs> i like any circumstance acceptable. <laughs> Never. I mean, and I've been amazed by the patience. Now, Fred's a great guy. and That's what it is. Fred's a great guy. Um, He is. And I think he, and I will say this about Fred. I know this. I would say his preparation is excellent. He gets his players; they know what they need to do. There's no doubt about it. He's a he's a he's very good game prep, very very diligent, very very much a grinder in that regard. Now he doesn't get he obviously hasn't done a great job of getting his players to execute it, and that's that's you know obviously <laughs> fairly important. Ah. Uh, just un, I, you know what I'm most uncomfortable with, and it just kind of is a frost conversation too. It just seems like they, 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 they dropped out of the sky and said, "Oh, what is this Big Ten thing? This is wow. This is really, really physical. And there's a lot of bigs in this league. Man, I never would have guessed that. Like I got, I have to somehow adjust to this. It seems like it take, took too long to me. Mm-hmm. Like like they weren't." somehow weren't aware of what they were getting into. Scott has alluded to it, almost admitted to it last July at Big Ten Media Days that it's taken time to adjust to the Big 10. We didn't know exactly what we were getting into. And I always kind of want to say, well, what you, were you just I know you're wrapped up in your job at UCF and that league, but you had to be aware of what you're getting into. It didn't it just didn't seem like the level to which either of them knew what they're getting into was satisfactory because right. it seems like it took them by surprise.
0: Yeah, And I think it's maybe taken them both kind of taking it on the chin to maybe alter some things, you know, because if you are, uh, the one thing I will say, cause I agree with you, but the one thing I will say is like, think if you are Scott Frost walking into Lincoln, Nebraska, why would you have any other reason other than to feel like I am the man, my offense oh, kicks people's ass Anywhere I go, I'm gonna come here. And why would it be any different? And if you're Fred Hoiberg, you would say, w- "Okay, I just i I'd, I'd lit the world up at Iowa State doing what I do. I was just the head coach of the Chicago freaking Bulls. You think I'm worried about Minnesota? You think I'm worried about Northwestern? That yeah, you know, I like so. so I, I think a little bit of it is they've had to learn the hard way. Like, nah, it's different. You know, like it, this is a different world, and sometimes that's life. Sometimes you got to kind of." take on the chin to go okay all right now we need to adjust and we'll see we'll see if if fred can do it with with altering some things in his program
1: right and i and i agree with that now here's the thing yeah i just think the adjustment came a little late in both yeah months.
0: right i understand that, that well
1: the, that's the, what i'm saying i just think it took a little too long well
0: and the, that's the thing you had a good q a with doc sadler uh recently everybody should go go read it and First of all, there were lots of sneaky low-key shots taken by Doc throughout throughout that whole Q&A, which I, which I thought was interesting. But They were know, they were low-key they key were, shots. But for, the, the way Hoiberg handled Doc was kind of puzzling to me because if you if you just kind of look at it like this, Nebraska last year for sure lacked three things, defense, toughness, accountability. If I were to conjure up three things that Doc Sadler is pretty good at as a coach, it's defense, toughness, and accountability. So, like, his the way he kind of pushed Doc to the side to bring in Lenzer, who I think is a good coach, but Lenzer is kind of a redundant skill set to to Hoyberg a little bit. Like, I think that's one thing that that we're seeing here is the importance of complementing, surrounding yourself as a head coach with staff members that complement you where maybe you're not great. What Fred is great at is X's and O's, spacing, offense, trying to breed confidence. Where he maybe lacks is defensive toughness, accountability, strategizing things on how you're going to attack different people in a defensive game plan. Like, I think that's maybe what what has eluded Fred a a little bit is is who he's surrounded himself with.
1: Well, you nailed it. Um, The only thing I'd add, I think you're right on on that. I think that, and I know Doc really well, really well because he's you know he's here from 2006 to 2012, and I've never really lost contact with him. And what I know about Doc, and believe me, I know this because he does it to me. He challenges you. He doesn't. He just doesn't nod his head if you say something that is wrong or you're doing something wrong. He lets you know. And you need the guys like that on the staff, but it's not for everybody, Nick. Mm-hmm. It, those kind of guys aren't for everybody. Totally agree. And, and I guarantee you he challenged Fred. And I wonder sometimes, I just I don't know how, how well Fred reacted to it. Right. I mean, some guys don't. I think Fred's very non confrontational. I agree with Doc, that. Conf, Doc's confrontational. Right. I mean, he, he is. He is. And I like that about him. I mean, he's. He is like if I wrote when Doc was a head coach and I wrote something he didn't like, I got he, he was confrontational about it. And I appreciated right. it. Mm-hmm. Um, I like coaches like that. They don't they're not passive aggressive. They don't hold weird mm-hmm. grudges that become odd that he just just called you up and say, hey, what you wrote was bullshit. It right. Was bullshit. Yeah. You were wrong. Um, and I, and that, that's what you want. I mean, that's obviously what you want. Doc will call it will call a coach out. And uh, you know, I think you need guys like that. I think you need
0: that that sort of reality. I agree. I t- I totally agree. Especially in college, you got to hold those dudes accountable, man. You got to get after them. And the same goes for coaches. Like coaches, yeah. You 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 gotta you, you need those guys. Um, get you out of here on this with with nil. Um, I, listen, I'm not I'm not necessarily I'm not anti players getting paid. I'm not. I mean, especially it's the new reality. But I, what I am anti is any sort of kind of like any situation that doesn't have any regulations and doesn't have any sort of competitive balance or capping with a structure to a sport like that, then, then we're entering into a weird place. And Nick Saban said it recently that NIL basically allows you to just buy players and, and, I'm going to read this to you. This is from the – there's a story in The Athletic. This is a quote from Mike Caspino. He's an attorney who's repped a bunch of recruits who's dealt with these kinds of contracts here since NIL has gone through. He goes, this is the hierarchy. Five-star quarterbacks, they're getting $2 million a year. The next most sought-after players are defensive linemen, edge rushers. They're getting seven figures. The next is a stud offensive lineman with quick feet. They're getting high six figures. Everyone else is a hodgepodge, but in the six-figure range. So here's the thing. This isn't NIL. This is just paying players, which I guess I'm, uh, again, is fine if that's how it's going to be. But I, I guess the thing that's been hilarious for me in a sad kind of way is like, uh, is how we're kind of masquerading all this as NIL when it's really not. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. I mean, I don't know what to say. I, you know, it's interesting. Me and you are strangely aligned on almost everything um now on this conversation you don't you're not that old I'm pretty old so I always I don't want to be the guy that comes across as always shaking my fist at the cloud it's not that I it's not I don't think that's what I'm doing I'm I don't I don't I don't even know where to start the conversation
0: (laughs) I guess I didn't do a good job of leading you to a place yeah it is it's it's weird I I, it's it's a weird feeling
1: and the more that people now, I believe it's really important to talk about these matters really important because Nick, you know a lot about it, I know a lot about it, a lot about it i know I know like a, a, i i mean i'm i I know Jared Lambrick really well, who heads up athletic athletes branding marketing a b m which is the collective that you know that Nebraska student athletes are associated with or go through for their money laundering um, <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, um the, the, but i uh, and i know jared i respect jared a lot so i know a lot about it i i would two things i'd say nebraska does operate well like they it is a pretty structured op- well i'm not a pretty sure it's a very structured operation at nebraska the, nebraska nebraska fans should be proud of their operation because they are they are J- jared does regulate it well there is a lot of teaching that goes on of, of the student athletes nebraska's compliance is God, let me tell you they're watching everything closely nebraska i feel pretty good about that operation but those those things you laid out those are very real and i don't know what to say i hope i hope that like, I guess my overriding concern is it diminishes the popularity of of college football, college sports in general. Right. I think never, yeah. I never felt it during the during March Madness, though, Nick. I loved it. Yeah. Never thought of the nil during that whole period.
0: No, neither did I. Yeah. yeah. And and yeah, I think that's where we're in agreement. Like, I feel like sometimes you can get painted as, oh, you're anti the players getting paid, and you're stuck in the no. Stone Age. Like, no. I no, I'm not saying that, but I guess. What's fair and right might not always be what's best for the the collective, and so like I just feel like this people aren't thinking about the overall viability and and health of the sport of college football or college basketball for that term if you if you want to throw that in there and just going well you know these players are, are should get paid and it's like okay that's fine but like there's a reason every almost every professional sport they have rules and regulations and salary caps and contracts and structure you know what I mean like. Then structure. we need to then we need to start entertaining the other side of that conversation if we want to go that way, which is okay, if we're going that way, we're going that way.
1: Well, again, comp- complex. The other thing I would add, and I don't think the average fan is cognizant of this, or the casual fan is cognizant of it, but and you would be because you were so you were a student athlete. That the the locker room is a big issue. It is. And, and You've heard John Cook talk publicly about it, um, and I've heard enough to know. I've heard enough from players to know it is a that is a big challenge now, a big challenge, and I don't even know what to say about it. I I, 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 that's a concern that goes back to what you said about the popularity and how we look at the sport. I think the locker room is sort of the start of that conversation, and what what it's doing how how student athletes are handling this. It's hard. It's hard. I know it's hard. Of course it'd be hard. I mean, if you're talking about getting Oshawn Mathis, the TCU pass rusher, I know this, that it's going to take, I was told a strong six figures, Man. strong, Man. strong. Nebraska's not getting him without a strong six figures, which to me, that means not 100,000, not 200,000, probably not 300,000. OK, that's that. I hope people understand you're you're not getting O'Shawn Mathis probably without a half, paying him a half million dollars. Now, there's starting offensive linemen or excuse me, starting defensive linemen at Nebraska right now that haven't made eight thousand dollars in NIL money. Now, what what's that do? I mean, how's that how's that square up? Now, I get I know what I'm just going to add this. I know what people say because I have this argument with people all the time. Well, NFL locker rooms is the same thing. No, it's not the same thing. I hate that. It drives me up the wall when people say that because even the lowest paid players in the NFL are, if they're not millionaires, they're right on the cusp of being millionaires. There's not millionaires in the locker room in Nebraska ex- except for maybe Oshawn Mathis <laughs> shortly. <laughs> um, but there's not, so you're not, it's not, it's not it's not a linear comparison like some people try to paint you it's just it's not close to a linear comparison so yeah it's very uncomfortable right now we'll see where it goes and I would say that a lot of people uncomfortable with it including the athletic director at Nebraska
0: well and even what you're laying out with 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 Oshon Mathis again it's two three four hundred thousand dollars or whatever in NIL money okay what's he pitching what is he endorsing? Who is he working for? Who Like, what, what company is he representing? What is, Like, that's what this was yeah, supposed to great. be. So I guess that's where, like, I feel like we've just glossed over that. Like, where I, I figured my biggest worry when this thing all went through is it's inevitable seeping into recruiting. And this is what's happening here and what we're talking about. But I think when people thought of NIL, they thought they'd drive down I-80 and they'd see, you know, uh, Ramir jo- a billboard with Ramir Johnson eating a cheese runza and you'd go, okay, whatever. Like uh, he's going to go be the starting running back and he's eating a cheese runza. That's, that's fine. That's not what this is. Like that's not oh, that's what this that. is. And so it's a, it's a weird, I guess that's where I, and, and again, I, I feel like we can have these kinds of conversations and we don't have to shout each other down of like, Oh, you're just, you're anti this and that. I'm I'm just want to talk about it to me. you know, right,
1: right. And I do. And again, I think it's important and it's, it's, I don't think it's wrong to express your concerns for something that's that poorly planned. I mean, can't we all at least agree that, that it was rolled out too quickly without enough structure? Um, I, is that, is that, come on. Right. I mean, it, I think that's Entirely clearly fair. happened. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's, it's hard to argue. I, mean, I like to hear the argument against that. And I really, I get irritated too with when a guy like Nick Saban expresses, concerns about it and people quickly play the oh it's just because he doesn't have the advantages that he used to have card no i think that nick saban his credibility he's built enough credibility that suggests he's just concerned like you are yeah that happens to be the coach of a team that's had enormous success a program that's had enormous success but i think when i read nick saban or Dabo Sweeney, for that matter. I just think these guys are legitimately concerned. Right, I mean, right, and they have a strong voice. People listen to them. I don't think it's about they're losing their advantage. Those guys have proved proved that they can adjust, right. Um, yeah. it, but I, I think they're just. I think they're gravely concerned, and I I totally understand.
0: We'll leave it there. Steve Stipple, Lincoln Journal star, HuskerExtra.com, 93.7 the ticket. Listen to him, read his stuff. Sip, I always really enjoy our conversations. Really appreciate you being generous with your time, my man.
1: Oh, well, I mean, I love coming on, and I, that was fun. I appreciate this
0: it. This was thank great. You. This was great. Thank you, Sip.
1: A Huda Media Production.